This is a very powerful and vivid story, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. It can almost be overwhelming, it seems to me, in its clarity of visuals. So much that can be received when you hear the words of this very lengthy story. It takes up the whole fourth chapter of John. That's what we read, the entire fourth chapter. I invite you for a minute to receive the abundance that was just expressed in that gospel lesson. The eternal life that Jesus offers this woman. Sometimes we need to center ourselves in the truth of that. Life is busy and full, and we can pass by that very thing that God has to offer us, that Christ is standing there offering us. That Christ is saying, this is for you. I hope that in coming together week by week, the silence and the space that is given provides you a way to remember the abundance that God has for you, for us. The abundance that God invites us into. Because we can so quickly forget it. Sin, I believe, I would define sin as the belief that we live outside of the love of God and the actions that we carry out accordingly. Sin is to believe that we live outside of the love of God and to act accordingly. We know from John's Gospel, we read it just last week, that God so loved the world that he came into our midst to make it known. And yet we are tempted to deny it again and again, to believe that it really isn't for us. I mean, not perhaps without some conditions on our part. It's hard for us to fathom the unconditional love of God made known to us. It's really hard for us to wrap our brain around that, much less our heart. But there's something about it that does ring true, that makes us restless in the consideration of it. So often in our world, we understand love conditionally. So often, even in our most intimate relationships. Unconditional love, though, is unconditional. It is freely given by the one who is loving. And God is love. God draws us close to make us one with God's self because of the abundant love that is God. God does not want us to fall outside of the love of God. So this idea of atonement, of at-one-ment, is truly who we are. We are one with the living God, the God of love. We are, but we are tempted to sin, to believe that we are somehow living outside of the love of God, and we carry out actions that reflect that sin, that belief. In our gospel lesson today, we see Jesus once again cross dividing lines, which Jesus does over and over and over again in Scripture. We don't quite have our heads maybe wrapped around the division between Samaritans and Jews, but if you think about it as tribal, you'll get the feeling about it. Jesus is crossing a boundary, not only in the division between Jews and Samaritans, but also in gender. Again, he reaches across the divide 
in order to acknowledge that we are one. This is what Paul wants us to remember in his letter to the Romans that we read this morning, that we are justified by faith, not by works. It is because of God's love for us that we are one with God, not because of anything we've done. And although we would like to construct some actions to reflect our oneness with God, we'll always fall short of perfecting that, always fall short of demonstrating that. We'll always fall short of living into that fully. We just won't always get it right. So it was Martin Luther during the Reformation who reminded everyone of this abundant love of God, and boy, was he an imperfect person. But he needed to stand up to the Roman church, which had created so many rules that no one remembered that it was really God's grace that saved them. They were bent on the actions that they were were pursuing to carry out for their own salvation. And Martin Luther had the tenacity, I guess it was, to go forward and challenge the church. Paul Tillich is a more modern speaker, having lived in the last century, and he speaks of the abundant love of God as well, and how it is that it's been given to us, and all we must do is accept it. He says, we are accepted by God, although being unacceptable, and all that we must do is accept this acceptance. That's it. All we must do is accept the acceptance that God has for us, God's love for us. And when we do, we then begin to understand who we are, and we live from that love. It becomes not our goal, but our foundation. It motivates us into the world. We want to do our best, even when we know we'll fail. We want to do our best because of what we receive in God's love for us made known in Jesus. Think of the stories in scripture that remind us of God's desire to come close. The prodigal son, the father who stands out on the road looking for his son who has wanted to cut all ties with him, declared his father even dead in his own mind to go off and make his own way. And in that story of the prodigal son, we are reminded of the abundant love of God. That God reaches out for us to draw us close. In John's gospel, this gospel that we're reading from today, in chapters 14 to 17, three chapters are dedicated to Jesus' prayer that people will remember that they are one with the Father as Jesus is one with the Father. He pleads that we will remember that. We get to hear his prayer, and the pleading we come to realize is not because God doesn't hear it, but because we don't hear it. We don't hear that we are one with God. We are tempted to sin, to believe that we live outside of the love of God, and we carry out actions that reflect that. But Jesus reminds us, even in his death, that God longs to draw us close And Jesus' death becomes saving for us because God does not allow our hatred, our anger, our fear, our frustration, God does not allow that to divide us from God. So as people hurl the insults and the abuse on Jesus, he takes it unto himself, not because God demanded it, but because we demanded it. We said, We're not worthy. 
and we're going to show you how not worthy we are until you get it in your head, God, of how unworthy we are. We don't want that mercy that you show. We don't want that grace, not if it's radical like that. We are bent, tempted, to believe that we live outside of the love of God and to act accordingly. But Jesus, in allowing himself to be killed, then demonstrates for us that our anger and our fear, our hatred, do not have the last word. In the resurrection of Jesus, we see that God's love has the last word and that nothing will separate us from that love. That's what Paul tells us in the 8th chapter of Romans, just a few pages away from the scripture we read this morning. Nothing will separate us from that love. Heights, nor depths, nor principalities, nor powers. He goes on and on and on. A long list. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Sin is to believe that we live outside of the love of God and to act accordingly. The second greatest sin is like unto the first, to believe that we live outside of relationship with one another and to act accordingly. It's a temptation of us when we interface with the other, whoever the other is, and when we might not know what to do with that otherness We define ourselves against it. When we take this to its end, we end up with stark divisions that become destructive, that we, none of us, can survive. Our own political environment highlights this. For several decades already, we have sought to live without the other, to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I don't even need you. But it's, it's... unsustainable. We can't live like that. Even in our division, we magnify our own limits. Again, think of the story of the Good Samaritan. That story found in Luke's Gospel, where a man is traveling on a road to Jericho and he gets beat up and robbed. Two people pass by, two that you would assume would help him out. But it's only the Samaritan that stops and attends to the the abused, the downtrodden. Now, I imagine if I were to take on a conversation with either of those two people that passed on by, I would find myself saying, I thought that you would have stopped. You seem like the kind of person that would. And I can imagine the response saying, yeah, I mean, I am that kind of person that stops. But... Not all the time, I guess. So you see, again, we can't perfect this. We fall into sin. We're tempted again and again to believe that we live outside of relationship with one another and to carry on accordingly. In the frustration and anger and fear that is felt in so many aspects of our society, I wonder, what are we going to do with the other, whoever the other is in your mind? Where are they going to go? (laughs) We're going to send them out to space or something? I mean, the fact is, we're here together on this planet. We can't live outside of relationship with one another. It's It's impossible. And nature even reminds us of that truth. Our actions affect one another. Something that happens upstream affects the people downstream. 
So we are in relationship with one another, and to deny it is to be tempted to sin. That is the sin. To believe that we can actually live outside of relationship with one another and to act accordingly. So where does this leave us? It leaves us throwing ourselves on the mercy of God. Because even in our best attempts, we're not going to get it right all the time. I believe those two people that passed the robbed man on the road to Jericho, I believe they're pretty good people, actually. We're not going to get it right all the time. And if we reflect too much on that fact, then we quit trying. It's only by the love and the mercy of God that we have the capability to try again. Our collect reminds us of that today. God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Again and again we fall short. Again and again we're tempted by sin to believe that we live outside of the love of God and to act accordingly. To believe that we live outside of relationship with one another and to act accordingly. The worst good news is that we are all held together in God. And it is in that abundant love that we find the strength to move forward, to find a way as people, as creation, God's creation, to live a way that reflects the abundant love of God. It's really our only way. My prayer is that for each of us, as we come together and center ourselves in this space and remember who we are, remember who we are, that God's love pulls us together. God's love grounds us and roots us. God's love is what grows us into who God longs for us to be. That as we remember that, we will try again. Try again to live in relationship with one another in a way that reflects God's goodness. Try again to live in relationship with God in a way that reflects God's goodness. This is God's invitation to us. It is ours for the taking. All we have to do is accept God's acceptance. Amen.